stand and honor him as he comes up because he's awesome. witnessed in the home when Aaron and I first started dating, but it was not first. And so he loves me anyway. And you know, I just, I'm so grateful for Greg because he has poured his life into ministry for God. And it's, I mean, way, way, way far back before I, I mean, things I don't even know, you know, and just totally just surrendered and given everything for the Lord. And so it's just an honor to hear from him today. And uh, yeah, so here we go. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what, uh, I can't even begin to thank God for all the things that He's done. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, someone told me that they really liked about me, they may not like my preaching, but they like my jokes, so uh, I, I promised them that I would uh, tell a couple anyway. Amen. On a balmy day in South Pacific, a Navy ship was approaching uh, an island that was uncharted. And upon arriving to the shore of that island, uh, they were met by a shipwrecked survivor. And uh, one of the things that the Navy ship seen was uh, three huts on the island, and there was smoke coming from one of them. And uh, he said, uh, as they arrived there, the shipwrecked person said, I'm so glad that you're here. I've been alone on this island for over five years. The captain replied, if you're alone on the, on the island, why is there three huts? The survivor said, oh, I live in one and I go to church in the other. And uh, the captain said, what about that third hut? And he said, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> Maybe that isn't that funny. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I do like, uh, I like this one, Cowboy Joe. Cowboy Joe was telling his fellow cowboys back on the ranch about his uh, first visit to the big city church. When I got there, they had me park my old truck in the corral, Joe said. And uh, you mean the parking lot, interrupted Charlie, a more worldly fellow. And then I walked up the trail to the door, Joe continued. The sidewalk to the door, Charlie corrected him. Inside the door, I was met by this dude, Joe went on. That would be the usher, Charlie explained. Well, the usher led me down the chute, Joe said. You mean the aisle, Charlie said. Then he led me to a stall and told me to sit there, Joe continued. Pew, Charlie retorted. Yeah, recalled Joe. That's what the pretty lady said when I sat down beside her. <laughs> oh, come on. That was a little bit funny. Pew. Okay. This is the last one. I hope it'll be a little bit more funny. I don't know. At a Wednesday uh, evening church meeting, a very wealthy man rose to give his testimony. And he rose and he said, I am a multimillionaire. And I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. I can still remember the turning point in my faith just like it was yesterday. I just earned my first dollar and I went to a church meeting that night. And the speaker was a missionary who told about his work. I knew that I only had one dollar bill to either give it all to the mission to the mission work and God's work or nothing at all. So at that moment I decided to give my whole dollar to God. I believe that God has blessed that decision and that's why I am so rich today. 
As he finished, it was clear that everyone had been moved by this man's testimony. But as he took his seat, a little old lady sitting in the same pew leaned over and said to him, Wonderful, wonderful story. I dare you to do it again. <laughs> that would be quite the story, wouldn't it? Amen. Well, uh, I just want to uh, say a couple things because I know what it's like to come to church and a lot of times we don't like to talk about burdens, we don't like to talk about our problems, and a lot of times, Brother uh, Mike, we just put them in a little box and we kind of seal them down, but we're still carrying them around with us. Amen. And uh, Isaiah 61 and 3 says this, and I, I'm not preaching yet. You guys will have to give me well, about an hour and a half. Uh, I, I won't do that to you. Fact is, I think I am the uh, shortest preacher, uh, time-wise, uh, that we have here in the church. But uh, uh, maybe today it'll be different. Huh? Maybe I can beat that. But uh, and and when I say I'm ending, I promise not to end five times. <laughs> I'm not going to say who does that. I'm not going to say it's my youngest son. Uh, I won't do that. But Isaiah 61 and 3 says to appoint to them that mourn in Zion. And I mean that could be mourn in Troy or Sydney or Tip City or Vandalia or Piqua. To give them beauty for ashes, yes. oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the NLT says that they'll be like giant oaks when that happens. And so what I would ask you today is, what did you bring to church with you this morning? I'm not talking about material things like keys and cell phones and maybe the clothing that you have on your back. Uh, but what I'm referring to is hurts. Anybody been hurt today? Anybody got hurts with them? Pain, brokenness, grief, fears, doubts. You know what? We all carry some of those things with us. Uh, and we keep it in a small box. It's not indicative of the worries that we have because sometimes we got big worries. Amen. But we still try to pack it on down there. And that hurts. And all it takes is one small event and that boxy rocks. Amen. It really does. But Jesus said, and so we disguise. I mean, we really do. We disguise the brokenness quite well. We can come in. How are you doing there? Oh, I'm doing great. But we still got that little box with us. We still got that things with us. We still got that brokenness with us. We still got that doubts with us. We still have hurts with us. Amen. I'm going to preach a little bit today if that's okay with you. Amen. I don't get up here often, so I'm going to take advantage of it. Amen. Now I'm not even at my message yet. This is just a prelude. Amen. But uh, I, I believe that sometimes Jesus Christ said, Pick up your cross and follow me. The cross is our fears, our brokenness. Uh, uh, and, and the cross was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of death. Uh, hallelujah. But uh, I believe Christ showed it that it has no power. Uh, amen. Uh, had no power over his life because he claimed his life and came back to life. It's not a symbol of shame and pain, but it's a symbol of life. Overcoming. I don't know about you, but I want to overcome. 
It's about picking up the shattered pieces of our life. And Jesus said, He'll fashion something beautiful out of it. Amen. He'll give us something beautiful. We may think that we got problems, but all of a sudden that problem isn't a problem. Amen. Because He's taking care of us. And now what part of your life do you feel is broken? Shattered. Fragile. Amen. Well, I'm glad that you brought it here today because Jesus is going to make something beautiful out of it. I'm not leaving here the way I came. Amen. And I came in feeling pretty good. But I'm going to leave here feeling pretty great. Amen. I'm going to leave here with the power of God on me. With the presence of Jesus down in my soul. I'm going to leave here different than what I came. I'm going to leave here with the power of God all over me. Amen. Amen. And sometimes it has to do, and if I may today, and I hope no one will get mad at me, but uh, I, I think sometimes we misinterpret and we don't really understand everything that God's doing. And a lot of times we forget about the fear of God. Amen. Because I believe Proverbs 1 and 7 declares, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. Amen. You know what? I, I know that I serve a God that's loving. I know that I serve a God that's caring. But I also know that I have to have the fear of God in my life. Yeah. Until we understand who God is and develop a reverent fear of Him, we cannot have true wisdom. Amen. True wisdom comes from understanding the fear of God. Now, I'm not here to scare anybody today. Some redefine the fear of God as respecting Him. And I, I really believe that's true. Why respect is definitely included in the concept, it's more to it than that. There really is. There's more to it than that. There needs to be a reverence. There needs to be a true fear of God. Not fear that He's going to take and hurt me. Not a fear that He's going to take and slam me down. Amen? Not that kind of fear at all. Amen? Believers are not to be scared of God. Amen. We have no reason to be scared of Him. We have a promise that that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yes. Amen. But yet I fear Him because I know if there's sin in my life, He hates sin. Yes. What does He do to sin? He punishes sin. Yes. It's from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation. Amen. So I want to keep that sin out of my life. I want to have that fear of God. I want to have that respect. I want to have that awe. I want to have that power, amen, in my life. We have the promises that He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Amen. Hallelujah. Fearing God means that having such a reverence to Him that has a great impact on the life that I live. Amen. God is respecting Him, obeying Him, submitting to His discipline, and worshiping Him. That's the fear of God. Can you say amen right now? Amen. Oh, well, I'm done with the prelude. Let's go to the prelude. The Lord's been dealing with this message here for about, oh, about three or four weeks. And uh, every day, it's been on my heart. I mean, really, it has. It's been on my heart every day. 
And I hope that you'll be able to get something out of it today uh, the way that I have. Amen. Turn with me to Proverbs 23 and 7. We're just going to read the very beginning. Amen. Proverbs 23 and 7. The thought of life is the beginning of victory or the beginning of defeat. Victories are won here, right here. Amen. In our mind. Amen. The battle starts here, it's won and lost here. Much is said in God's Word about our thoughts and what we do with them. And I want to preach just a little bit today about that. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 23 and 7 in part reads like this. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We're grateful. We're thankful for this congregation. We're thankful, dear God, for a privilege and an honor that it is, dear God, to break forth your word today, the bread of life. Realizing, Lord Jesus, that I'm nothing, Lord. Hallelujah. And I realize that. Without you, dear God, I stand here alone. But God, I thank you that you're in my heart. I thank you that you're down in my soul. I thank you that I feel you from the top of my head to the soles of my feet today. I thank you, dear God, for the anointing power of God. We just ask you to reach down and touch us and give us an understanding of your word today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Proverbs 23 and 7. As he thinks in his heart, so he is. For he's that kind of person who's always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink. You know, what What I got to do? It's going to cost me money. Uh, uh, how much money do I have? Can I eat after church? Can I go uh, uh, out to eat? Do I need to go home? Do I need to put a, a hamburger on the grill? What do I need to do today? We're always thinking. Thinking about this. Thinking about, well, that looks like I need gas. Uh, uh, where's the cheapest gas station around here? Uh, uh, do I wait till Wednesday to get gas? Because you know Wednesday night or Thursday they're going to raise it again anyway. And uh, where can I go uh, uh, if I'm heading up towards Sydney, for an example? I know the gas is a little cheaper up there. Uh, uh, if you get your gas at Kroger's because you get 10 or 20, 30 per, uh, uh, cents off on the gallon, uh, it's going to be cheaper down in Vandalia than it is in Troy. Amen. Amen. And even cheaper in Sydney at Kroger's. Amen. That's just, I'm throwing that out just to give you something. Amen. That's true. That's true because I watch that kind of stuff. Amen. And so we're always wondering and we're always thinking and we're, we're, we're not going to be victorious if we're always walking in a defeated attitude. You will not even fight because you'll see yourself as a loser. Amen. I'm not even going to fight. I'm going to lose anyway. Amen. You know what? It didn't matter. You know, when I, I was in high school way, 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 way back, back before the majority of this church was ever born, amen, uh, fact is, I am so old. Somebody said, how old are you? Well, I started preaching 45 years ago. So, uh, and uh, how many of you are under 45? I've done been around the world about three times by that time. Amen. But uh, I started preaching uh, way back then, and uh, God began to deal with me and uh, began to show me things. Amen. And uh, I realized that I couldn't have a defeatist attitude. And when I was in high school, uh, uh, I, I wasn't a bully, 
but I didn't back down from nobody. And I even knew when I was going to get beat up. I even knew when I was going to lose. Well, don't fight Gary Franklin now. He's a boxer, and uh, he trains at the gym, and he's never lost a fight. And Gary come by and give me the elbow, knock the books out of my hand. I'd slam him up against the locker, and he'd say, let's meet after school, and I'd say, okay. And I knew all day long I'd have this fear in my gut, knowing that I was going to get beat up by Gary Franklin. <laughs> and guess what happened? I got beat up by Gary Franklin. <laughs> but it didn't matter. And pretty soon, people quit bumping into me. People quit knocking books out of my hand. Uh, I probably had four or five fights in high school, and maybe won one. And, uh, but I just didn't care. I didn't back down. And I'm going to tell you what, we can't have a defeatist attitude. I thought, you know, there's always that chance that I could get lucky with Gary Franklin and, and slip one in on him. You never know. And that's what I was hoping for. That's why I didn't back down. There's always that chance. There's always that chance to win. Amen. Amen. So I, I want you to know something today. If you're walking around in a defeated attitude, you're, you're not even going to fight because you see yourself already losing the battle. God has a better way for His children. How many is a child of the Most High God? As a matter of fact, He's already set the example for us. In Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, yeah. not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Uh, I'll tell you what, God will not think bad or evil thoughts toward us, uh, 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 who we are, or bad or negative thoughts toward ourselves. Uh, we shouldn't. Why should I think about myself as being bad? God looks at me as being good. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a son. Hallelujah. You want this to have been preached and preached and preached and preached. And finally, you know what? The, uh, the old pastor, old brother Greg, he finally grabbed a hold of it and realized I'm a son of the Most High God. I cannot be defeated. God's got something good for me. Amen. You know what? A lot of times our mind is kind of like driving a car. You've got a steering wheel. And that steering wheel tells you, show, I mean, you just grab a hold of it, and you go this way, you turn right. You go this way, you turn left. Uh, everybody know that? That's a pretty easy thing to do. Right, left, straight. Well, a little curve here. I'm just going to go over the curve. Amen. And that's what we have. And, uh, and, and I begin to think about this. Uh, it's the same principle in our Christian life. It's very simple, simple uh, principle of God's Word. And it's ignored by the majority of Christian believers. Uh, I see it all the time. I'm not saying this to point my finger, but uh, it's just what the people want. Uh, we can turn our mind to the things that pertain to life and godliness. We can turn our life uh, to the things uh, that are of God. We can turn our life to the things that are good. Amen. And God's given us a very powerful weapon. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of God, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 
Thoughts can become strongholds. They can become a vehicle that you guide by. But I want to tell you what my thoughts and my strongholds are. That God is good. God loves me. I'm powerful through God. I'm a child of the Most High God. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing that's going to stop me. Amen. Now you're an old man. Oh, come on. Bring it on then. Amen. I'll show you what an old man can do. Amen. Right, Gary? I made a, made a mistake. They was kind of making fun of me. We was at the hospital visiting somebody the other day. And uh, you remember this, Kenny? <laughs> Kenny was with me. We're walking down the main hallway. And we're going to... We're, we're, we're heading down there and uh, uh, make a visitation. And uh, there was a big couch in this hallway. And I don't know if it was Kenny or Gary. Or who else was with us then? Dave. Dave. Somebody said, boy, you're just an old man. And I'm thinking, you know what, in, in, in my younger days, I used to be a pretty strong guy. And I don't even know what made me good. But I reached down and picked up that couch. No sweeping motion put it over my head. Am I telling the truth, Kenny? I don't even know why I did it. It's just sometimes you, you're stupid. And that was a stupid moment in my life. And I wonder why my back hurts all the time. But I switched down and picked it up and I got it over my head. And I said, now who's an old man? That's what I said. And Gary started, my, my uncle Gary was with us. And uh, he's uh, 76 years old. And he says, what are you doing? He starts walking towards me. Well, I went to put it down, and I hit him on top of the head. And he about, he about, he about knocked him out. He's like this. And uh, Kenny grabbed him, and you okay? I felt bad, and he kept rubbing his head. I thought maybe he had a concussion. And uh, I thought, you know, I do stupid things sometimes. You know what, I'm 66 years old and I still do stupid things. And that was one of the stupid things that, that, that I did. But you know what, uh, uh, a lot of times uh, thoughts can be strongholds. Really, I'm going to get back to this. I'm going to get off that stupid stuff. Because my mind needs to be renewed by God. Amen. I was there to pray for Tony. I wasn't there to pick up a couch and knock my uncle out. Uh, but, uh, and, and we did have a good prayer. And I prayed for my uncle too, and I apologized about five times. But uh, Romans 12 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds renewed by God's Word. Sometimes we get to the, the TV a little too much, and our minds renewed by TV. If we're hooked on video games to where we have to be locked up for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours just playing video games, what's going to be in your mind? That video game. Amen. But if the Word of God is what we want to press into, the Word of God and, and, and God's goodness, amen, that's going to renew our mind. Amen. And that's what we need to do. Uh, and uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 12 says, I have the right to do anything 
you say, but everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. In any way, this is what Paul was saying here. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. You know what, we can, there's some things that, yeah, you can play a video game, you can watch TV. It's lawful, there's nothing wrong. Amen, you hear what I'm saying? But don't let it master you. You know what, that car, that Mustang that's out in your garage, don't let it master you. Oh, I, <laughs> Amen. Now that's my friend. He, I, I'll tell you what, if there's a man that loves God's word, it's Brother Kirk. I just throw a little barb his way. He does have a nice looking Mustang in his garage. He may want to give it to me, I don't know. But uh, we don't want anything to, to uh, dominate us. Uh, in Matthew 12, 34, it says, You, you uh, brought a vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And it says in verse 35, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. We can't let our heart get full of wrong things. We've got to control our thoughts and our mind. Amen. Because that's where it's at. Amen. It really is. And we've got to have control over that. And Apostle Paul even tells us... Uh, uh, in Philippians 4 and 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about sex, sex things. What a meditate on. Meditate on them day and night. You know what? You ought to wake up in the morning thinking about Jesus. When your feet hit that ground, you ought to just be able to put your hands up and say, Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, there's something that happens in this process when you begin to ponder on God's Word. It'll change you like nothing else. Amen. It will renew and transform your mind. Amen. And, and uh, how many of you have been witnessing somebody and all of a sudden uh, they ask you a question and you don't know the answer to in the Scriptures? And all of a sudden, all, uh, the Scripture begins to come out. Yeah. And you begin to quote Scripture that you didn't even know that you knew. But it was in your heart. It was in your mind. And God begins to use you. Uh, God will use everybody in here. Come on. Amen. I'll tell you what. Uh, there's a, uh, for an unbeliever, in, uh, uh, to fear God is, is you, you have to. Because you don't really know Him. And we're, we want to pray for somebody today. I believe somebody's got salvation coming their way. Amen. Do our beliefs make a difference on how other people treat us? I'm going to go back to as He thinks in His heart, so He, so he is. Uh, our strife and rejection, bad luck. Oh, man. This happened to me again. Come on. Or is acceptance and favor good luck? Or, but you know what? The Bible, the Bible indicates that these are spiritual laws. Amen. Luke six thirty-seven and thirty-eight states about the law of re, uh, being reciprocal. Amen. That it's going to happen to us. It, it goes like this: Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Amen. How many of you want to be judged? I don't. So don't judge anybody else. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Amen. Give, 
it'll be given back to you. For the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Uh, our, our, our inner attitudes and our outward actions of giving that brings an experience back to us uh, and the proportion that we give it. Uh, you know what? If I love you, brother, uh, hallelujah, God, uh, there's going to be people that love me. And, and, and you know what? How we think about ourselves, a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. Once you begin to love on others, once you begin to respect oh, others, yeah. once you begin to give to others, amen, all of a sudden you begin to think a little bit better about yourself. And that's what God wants. Amen. Amen. We love others to the degree that we love ourselves. Thus our attitude towards ourselves becomes the basis of attitudes we give to other people. Complicated? I don't think so. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If a man is rejected, thinks he's rejected, he is rejected. If a man thinks he's favored, he is favored. Amen? And I think that's important. Amen? To think about yourself. Amen? To think about others. Amen? If we start living our life like that, we're going to be blessed. I grew up with a man named David Fries. He lives in Pickle, Ohio. Maybe some of you know him. And I remember he got married all within just a month or two that I got married. And uh, I had a good job. Worked hard, worked in a foundry. And uh, in that foundry, they poured brass. Backbreaking labor. I looked like a coal miner, Brother Gary, when I left that place. And uh, David, he worked at a gas station. Didn't make a lot of money. I made a lot more money. But he would come to church on Sunday and he would get up and he'd testify, God brought me a couch and a chair this week. And every week it was something else. And he said, my God's so good, I just sat on the front porch, I put a rocking chair out there. And I just rock and people come and give me stuff. And he just grin ear to ear. And I'm thinking, I'm working. Working in this foundry. I look like I come out of a coal mine when I'm done. My back's hurting. I'm getting up early in the morning. This guy's got a part-time job. And he's got more than what I've got. What's wrong, Lord? <laughs> Amen. We went to church together. We served God together. He was my friend. But I was getting a little jealous of this stuff. Amen. Finally, I went into the pastor and I said, I don't understand something. You explain it to me. And I remember him saying, you know what? He loves God. He puts God first. You put your job first. You worry about things. He don't worry about nothing. And God is there for him. And you know what? We've got to do that. We've got to follow God's direction to get God results. Amen. And so, uh, I, I think that a lot of times we got to just set back and prove that God's Word is true. He's no respecter of people. He wants us all to be successful. He really does. He wants us all to be successful. And uh, I, I'm just going to tell you about a couple things in my life. Uh, I had a bad week. I took my car down to get brakes worked on, and I was trying to save a buck. Anybody ever tried to do that? Save a buck? You've know, you got that guy that, that's a little cheaper than going to the candy. 
And so I, I take my car down okay. there. He gets it done, turns the rotors, puts brakes on, and I save myself $50. But I drove down to Dayton and I'm done, so I don't know. You might want to take about six, $6 worth of gas off by taking it down there. I bring it home, and it sounds like there's a siren in the back. I take it back. Oh, I see what the problem is. Let me fix it. So it's another $6. I bring it home. Still not right. Take it back. So now how much money have I saved? Plus it's hot. And I don't have much time. My patience is running out. And uh, so I give it the third time. I'm driving it now. And you can hear it as I leave if you want. It's still not right. So I call a guy. That's a mechanic that is in a certified shop. Now I'm going to pay to have my brakes done tonight. And I could have saved a lot of time and a lot of money if I would have done it the other way. But I thought, you know what, I, I just don't understand. And so I was getting mad. And I took my little granddaughter, she spent the night with me, Emily. And she wanted some gummy bears, and there's a special kind of gummy bear, she says, that is at Meyer Gas Station. <laughs> so I go to Meyer Gas Station to buy her these gummy bears. And uh, she's excited about it, and I go in to get them. And I've had this bad day with all this car problems and everything, and, and I'm at, I'm about at my end, wit's end. So I get the gummy bears, I bring them out. She says, Grandpa, those aren't the right ones. I wanted them. I said, oh, they're in there. Let me take these back. So didn't even put them in the car. Just opened up the car door. And she said, no, wrong ones. I take them back to Myers to the gas station. And the guy back there said, I said, I want to exchange these for these others. No, nope, can't do it. Once you take them out the door, that's just the way it is. He didn't know the day that I had. <laughs> It's one of those things where you like to grab somebody and pull them across there and say, you will take the gummy bears. <laughs> but I didn't. I tried that. The fact is, Emily was with me the second time. And uh, my wife, Patty, asked her when she gets back to the car, was Greg nice? She goes, I said, did I say anything wrong? And she goes, <laughs> So, anyway, she got the old gummies that she didn't want. And we never did get that straightened out, and I wasn't going to straighten it out. But, uh, so I thought, you know what? I've got to get my mind right with God. And I used to have an altar that was out here that people kept wanting to tear down all the time and burn it. We, have a, we had a burn pile out there, and I had this little altar that I built before we even purchased this property. And uh, I seen this property, and I wanted to build a church on this property. And so way back in the corner where no one would see it, I built this little homemade altar. You know, I was thinking about Abraham, and I walked across this, this land. Me and my dad, we walked it. We want this for God. You know, we're going to get this for God. And at the time, they wanted like a half a million dollars for this just to the property. Without anything built on it. And... Uh, Guy, I called the guy up and he said, yeah, you can have it for $500,000. I don't have 
really we didn't even have ten thousand dollars and uh, so anyway i just kept walking kept praying and i built this altar so i took this altar uh, after people tore it down two or three times when the burning took it out of burn pile twice uh, i took it put it back together and i put it in my backyard i go out there and i pray over this altar. it's still there if you ever come by my house you'll see that all in back then and uh so I knew after the gummy bear incident and all the stuff that was happening, I needed a trip to the old altar. So I went out there and I began to pray. I said, God, I don't care about paying extra money. I don't care about this stuff, even though I'm trying to watch my money. And I'm trying to do the Dave Ramsey thing, and I realized that I made a mistake. God, you lead me, you guide me. Lord, I give it all to you. And I praise you, and I thank you, God. Anything that comes my way, I'm just going to praise you anyway. And I, I said that prayer at the altar. The next day, we was having a furnace and air conditioning put in our house. And uh, the guy <clears throat> wanted to sell me a Lennox. And I said, I was looking at the different ones that he was going to put in, and he had one that had the exact same everything as the Lennox, except it didn't have the Lennox name. And uh, plus, it was three years less on a Lennox had a 10-year guarantee, this had a 7-year. And so I said, well, I got to, you know, I'm Dave Ramsey, I got to save myself $1,000. So I said, I'll take this one because it does the same thing. That's what we'll take. Well, he shows up and he said, Greg, you've been so good to me. And you're such a good man, and I know you're a godly man. I'm going to give you a Lennox for the same price. It was $1,000 more, and he gave it to me. Amen. And uh, I owed him at the end, I, I had a check for him, but at the end I owed him $100, and he said, I'll forget the $100. I thought, wow, you know, I'm going to head back out to that altar in the backyard again. Amen. That's a real thing. Amen. It really is. It's a real thing. As we stand and uh, someone comes to music today, I just want you to know something. Speak it out. Speak it out. Speak the lesson. Get rid of the negative thoughts. Begin to think positive things. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, one of the guys that was putting a furnace in, I, I really liked him. And, and I began to witness to him. and begin to talk to him about the Lord. And uh, he said, uh, my boss told me that uh, you lost a wife a couple years back, a few years ago. And I said, yeah, I did. She had cancer and she died. I said, uh, we was praying for healing, and he said, well, he said, uh, I was married uh, a few years ago, and uh, my wife, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, and she had a brain tumor, but it was real, real small, smaller than a pea, and it was in a place that wasn't hurting anything, and they said they was just going to watch it, and he said, uh, every year they go in and take a look at it, and it was fine, and uh, she had no problems. And he said, then one day she called me up and said she had a headache and she was at work. And uh, uh, I told her I'd be home and I went home and I said, how's your headache? And she'd taken some aspirin or something. And uh, she said, well, it's better. He said, we went to bed that night and he said, uh, she was 42 years old. He said, we get up the next morning. I get up and I'm making breakfast. And uh, I'm drinking a cup of coffee, and I made one for her, and I take it into her, and I see her that she's still sleeping. I said, well, I'll just take it back out to the kitchen. 
and he said, uh, something just didn't feel right. I went back in and checked on her, and she was dead. And uh, he said, it just, I, I can't believe that that happened at that time. He says, we're just not promised, are we? And I thought of Josh's dad. He was 42 years old. Died of a brain tumor. And I, I think of, of my sister who went to bed, come to church on a Sunday and went to bed that night and didn't wake up the next morning alive, 56 years old. And I could go on and on and on. I'm not saying this to scare anybody. I just want you to be right with God. Amen. Because we're not promised tomorrow. I thank God for every day that I'm alive. I thank God for everything. But I want you to know something. As a pastor, I pastored for 47 years. And I have preached funerals of babies that were one day old. I preached funerals of a little eight-year-old boy in Piqua that crossed the street and got hit by a car and killed. I preached funerals of a 16-year-old boy that is on his motorcycle that he just got and, and got killed. And I mean, hundreds of funerals. I'm, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It's been well over 100 funerals. Uh, people from age one day old to 100 years old. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And I don't know where you're at with God right now. I really don't. But I do know this, that the God that I serve loves you. And you don't have to do anything extra you know, a lot of times people will tell me, well, I, I want to straighten my life up. I want to be right before God. You don't have to be right. Nothing. You don't have anything at all that's moving right now. I don't care if you came here drunk. It doesn't matter. God loves you right where you're at. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to do anything. Just come forward and say, you know what? I want that God that you're preaching about. Amen. I want that God that's putting blessings on you. I want that God that's a healer. Yes. How many believes God's a healer? Yes. Amen. Two years ago, I'm sitting right there in my seat, and Aaron's preaching. I look up at the, at the thing, and all of a sudden, it's blurry, and I get this real bad pain in my right eye. I mean, it hurt. And I can't see out of it. I'm blind in my right eye. Right in church, it happened right here. And uh, so Aaron and, and Matt, uh, my sons, they look at it and they say, well, you better call a doctor. So I did. I went in the doctor the next morning. They said, there's a whole bunch of blood behind your eye. They do all these tests and you run all this stuff. And they say, you have a stroke in your eye. I've never heard of having a stroke in your eye and not in your brain and not in your body, but it was just right there in my eye. And they said, but we, have a, uh, we can take care of this. Your eye's not, not going to get better. Uh, but we can stop the bleeding. And you'll be able to keep the eye, you just won't be able to see out of the eye. And uh, I said, okay. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? But I said, you know what? I, and I told the doctor, I said, I, I've got people praying for this eye. It can get better. And he says, but what we have to do to stop the bleeding, we've got to inject in the middle of your eye, we've got to do some injections. And how many's ever heard that needle in the eye? And, you know, and, and but it's okay because I've had a doctor's office where they said they could numb it, and I wouldn't feel a thing. So they stick this needle in my eye, about this about this long, sister, and just put it right there in the old eyeball. And they lied to me because it hurt. 
and they say, you come back every month for a few years, and it'll finally stop bleeding. So every month I go back, and I'm thinking, oh, I, you don't even know about getting up in the morning and have to go to the eye doctor to get a shot in your eye. <laughs> and I agree, oh, I hated it. But I, I did it month after month after month. This has been two years ago. And then finally, about a, a year ago, I go in, and he says, you know what, it didn't bleed hardly at all. We're going to skip a month. Oh, I went out there like <laughs> Amen. And then, uh, about six months ago, they, it, was, it was the second month that was ready for that eye, and they said, hey, we're not going to give it to you. And uh, I went back last month. And, and the other thing is, I'm seeing out of this eye. I can close. I can see everybody in here right now. And uh, there was a time where I, I, I wouldn't see nothing. I couldn't see the exit sign. And uh, so I go in there, and they give me an eye test. They said, you know what? Your eye has really gotten better. Fact is, it's not even, I can't even tell where you have a stroke in. And we'll have you come back in a year. Thank God. Thank God. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a saving God. If you don't know Jesus, this is a place to find Him. Amen. This is a place where you want to be. If you want a closer walk with God, just come up to the altar right now and say, God, I want everything that you got for me. Amen. Because out of the mouth, amen, and out of our mind and out of our heart, the mouth speaks. And I don't know about you, but I want everything that God's got for me. I really do. I don't want to have any, I don't want to leave anything behind. Amen. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. We just got a couple of people that want God today, want more of God, amen. But I'll tell you what, if you really want something, if you don't know God, come up here right now and say, I don't know God, but I want that God that you're talking about. I want that blessing. I need more of God. Hallelujah.